Glad you're here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Coming up later, today's Clark Rage, there's a medical breakthrough that is now being blocked in more than a dozen states. I'm going to tell you what you are being kept from doing not for your own good. And coming up later, spend your hard-earned money eating out. Average person spends like half of their food dollar eating out. Where are you going to get the best bang for your buck? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to talk right now, speaking of bang for your buck, what you earn at the place you work. I talked last month or maybe late spring about the fact that if you keep changing jobs, if you get a rep as a job hopper, that you become radioactive for a lot of employers. And there's a fine line here I want to make sure that I follow with you so I don't contradict what I said back in the spring about job hopping. So if you show very, very short time at places of work. Employers are like, well, this person never stays anywhere long. Why should I take a chance on this person? On the other hand, there are a lot of us that when we get a job somewhere, we just stay year after year after year. But in the job market, there's a point at which loyalty, too much loyalty, comes along to hurt your paycheck. And we are at a time where there's something that I've talked about over the last decade called the quit rate. That's the number of people who each month, each quarter, each year, bag the job they're in voluntarily, not because an employer quit you. You just quit because you found a better opportunity or believe you're going to find a better opportunity in the marketplace. And the quit rate is rising. Labor Department said the number of people that are doing that has gone up and up and up steadily as the economy's improved. But here's the shocker. And this is a report that I saw in the Wall Street Journal that If you job switch, you will see 30% larger annual pay increases than people who stay in a job. That is from a study done at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta reported in the Wall Street Journal. So there is a direct, strong economic benefit to occasionally changing jobs, strategically changing jobs. And I need to make sure I emphasize that I didn't just say that, oh, go quit your job today because you'll make more money tomorrow somewhere else. It has to be methodical, thought out, planned for. And if you're somebody who tends to be ultra loyal to an employer, you're that kind of person anyway who will be methodical, who will plan and will already be active or have already received another job offer before you give notice to your existing employer that you're 
giving them the heave ho. You know, when you work, the bigger the company you work at, this is even more true, that no matter what kind of performer you are, the raises that you will receive year to year are already programmed in with a cap. Like no one gets a raise of more than 1.6% or nobody gets a raise of more than 2.4% or whatever. The only way you find your market value, which can go way past the lumbering bureaucracy you're working at, is when you go test the market and test what your skills and experience are worth somewhere else. And the reward potentially is a much fatter paycheck, not just tomorrow, but over time as well. Neil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Neil. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Neil. You want to see if you can get a little more money out of your boss every month. Tell me the scoop. (laughs) I do. So since I've been hired, my employer has been asking me to drive more and more every month. And so I recently asked if I could be compensated better for all the additional mileage that I've been doing. And my employer, so I brought this up to my employer last week and they came back and asked me to provide proof of why and how um, to back up my idea. So you basically want to have your employer do some form of standard mileage reimbursement for all the miles you're driving? Yeah. And these are miles you're driving for the benefit of the employer? Yes. And you're using your own personal vehicle to drive all these miles? Yes, I am. And you're having to justify... Wait, wait. You're having to justify to your employer why you should be reimbursed for those? Yes. Well, they do reimburse some, but I don't feel that it's appropriate. How much are they reimbursing you a mile? They're reimbursing me 44 cents a mile, but I have to subtract the first 40 miles. They don't count. And why? Why do you lose the first 40 miles? They said that's standard commuting miles. Oh, okay. So that does make some sense, believe it or not. Isn't that weird? So they can pay you under the IRS rules. They can pay you, uh, I think it's 53 cents a mile. 50, let me see. I think it might be 54 and a half. Sorry? Yes, you're correct. 54 and a half. 54 and a half. And they're paying you, so the first 40 miles are on you, and then after that they're paying you 44? Yes. Well, I think the simplest explanation is that you would like to be reimbursed the IRS reimbursement rate. I mean, that's That's pretty simple. Sorry? That's where I thought about starting because I I did research it a little bit and on the IRS website it said that 71% of employers use that rate. Yeah, I mean that is fair and equitable to you and the employer. Excellent. And and so I think think you make those two uh, suggestions to your employer, not arguments, suggestions. One is that, um, that you ask for the IRS reimbursement rate, which would change typically each year. And second, that 
this is how it's done by almost all employers. And you can even uh, hit them with the stat that it's roughly three quarters of employers just automatically use the IRS standard reimbursement rate. Okay. I think that would be fair. And that, that is fair and that's reasonable. I and mean, the IRS does it based on the cost analysis that they do. And why should you lose a dime every mile you drive? I agree. Are, are you nervous about talking to your employer about it? Or are you just trying to arm yourself with reasons? They asked me. They asked me, like, when I brought it up, I didn't know what to expect. And they seemed like they were willing to listen, but they wanted to know, you know, they wanted me to come up with a solution. And and I think I think using something that's impersonal doesn't in any way make it seem like you're being rough with the employer or challenging the employer. You're saying, well, you know, I checked, and this is the IRS rate, standard reimbursement rate, and this is what almost all employers use. And that way it's not about you or them. It's just this is the fact and this is what would be smart. Excellent. Thank you so much, Clark. All right. You have a great day. You too, Clark. Thank you. Sure. Jason's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Wonderful, Jason. How can I serve you? Well, um, somebody forwarded me an article the other day and talking about credit card usage. And I've used one credit card for the last several years, just building up airline miles. And he's arguing to me in this article and the study that it uh, uses agrees that um, when you use a credit card, you spend more. And I was curious what your thoughts were on that. And if I were to switch to cash, are there any downsides to that? So what you've been told is 100% true, that consumer behavior shows that we spend meaningfully more money one thing i saw is that the average consumer spends 20 percent more using credit cards than they do if they just pay cash for stuff that we don't feel the spending in the same way when we pull out plastic as we do if we pull out actual real money and i can tell you based on my own experience when i do um for TV, when I do counseling with couples that are in trouble with spending, that I always put them on a cash allowance, actual real cash, and their spending drops precipitously. That when they go from using plastic to using cash, it changes everything. Okay. So the miles end up being pretty expensive. Now, if you pay... if if it's not hurting your finances and you pay the credit card bill in full every month and it's not hurting your goals of saving for retirement and having emergency funds and all that, spending more than you would otherwise, then keep earning the miles if you want. But if it is keeping you from goals you'd like to achieve, then follow your friend's lead and go to cash. Okay. Awesome. Thanks very much. What are you going to do? I'll, I'll probably well, I'll probably keep the card at least like on my next trip. <laughs> and, and then reassess then. <laughs> okay. I don't want to waste all the miles I already have. All right. Well, I hope it turns out to be a great trip. Excellent. Thank you. Have a great day. 
Today's Clark Rages moment is about special interests preventing you from taking care of your health. I am incensed in what I'm about to share with you. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. I have had over the last couple of years dozens of people come up to me to thank me for talking to them about being able to do a hearing aid test online, on their own, without having to go somewhere for a hearing aid test, and now being able to buy much cheaper hearing aids online. There was a company in particular I've talked about over the years called IHearMedical.com, and they have led a revolution in the industry where the cost of having your ears tested and getting hearing aids is coming down, down, down. Well, there are people terrified of consumers being able to do their own testing. There's a company I talked about this last year called Opternative that gives you the ability to do online your own eye exam for glasses or contact lenses. And this is something that's a tie-in with all the people ordering ultra-inexpensive glasses online or being able to go wherever you can get the cheapest price on contact lenses. Well, the eye industry, the ophthalmologists, optometrists, opticians, and the chains are in terror of you being able to do your own eye exam. And so now there are 18 states where you can no longer use Opternative, where the special interests in these 18 states have gone to legislatures and gotten laws passed that prevent you from doing your own eye exam. Fortunately, 32 states, you can still do your own eye exam. Now, it doesn't mean you should never see an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. You need to make sure you're seeing to your eye health. But it is not a proper role of government to ensure income for optometrists, ophthalmologists, and opticians. The marketplace should rule, and people should be able to decide if they want to do an eye exam on their own. Do you know a lot of optometrists now use fully automated machines that you can sit down at, look in, and that machine will come up with your prescription instantly? And that is the same idea that Opternative uses in order to be able to do an eye exam for glasses or contact lenses. We in America face a challenge that is harming people who have to watch every dollar in their lives and at the same time take care of basic needs like making sure you have glasses that are good enough for you to see driving down the road so you don't put yourself and others in danger. And for people to try to protect their paychecks instead of allowing people to protect 
their vision, their hearing, or whatever. I mean, this is crazy. Again, I want you to know, before they make it illegal in your state, go to Opternative.com if it's been a long time since you've had your eyes checked. You know that people say you don't hear well anymore? Go to IHearMedical.com. Check your hearing out. Do these things. Take care of yourself and let the free market rule. I'm about to make you hungry. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Of all the organizations that rate companies and industries, I respect so much the methodology of the American Customer Satisfaction Index. It used to be part of the University of Michigan, now it is an independent organization And they rate all different kinds of industries on how good a job they're doing for you and how not so much. The newest ratings are on the restaurant business, restaurant chains, both those that are fast food and quick serve, and then those that are sit-down restaurants, what's known as full-service restaurants. And so we spend half of every food dollar on average typical person eating out So you want that money spent wisely. So where, with fast food, quick serve, are you going to have the best experience? Where are people the happiest when they eat out? It's not even close. In fact, the number one ranked not only had the highest score among fast food and quick serve, but had the highest serve even score even compared to full-service sit-down restaurants, and that was Chick-fil-A. And if they're nothing other than consistent, their score was the same this year as last year, an astronomically high 87. It's almost impossible in the methodology from the American Customer Satisfaction Index to get a score like that in a service business. Now, who was number two? Panera Bread. Following Panera Bread, a place I can't remember the last time I was at, and I would not have expected this, Papa John's Pizza was number three on the list. But then with full-service restaurants, oh, I should tell you, people always want to know, who was bad? Who was bad? Who was bad? So worst was McDonald's. And unfortunately for McDonald's, they were in last place and nobody was close to their score. Second lowest, and again, quite a few points higher, was a tie of Taco Bell and Jack in the Box. Now, my favorite is not even in the survey. In-N-Out Burger. I love In-N-Out, I guess because they're a regional chain only in Oregon, California, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, and Texas, I think are the states they're in. I'll feel really bad if somebody 
sends in a Clark Stinks and say, you left out our whole state. But that is my absolute favorite. Joel and I once on book tour were in Arizona for three days, two nights, and I made you go to In-N-Out how many times in three days, two nights? Five five times. Five times. Should but have been more. I'll say you didn't even make me, though. I, I like In-N-Out Burger, and I never get to have it, so it, it was kind of a treat. I mean, five's a little excessive, but I, I was okay with it. Excessive? <laughs> Are you kidding? And in full serve, top rated was Texas Roadhouse place I've only been to a couple of times in my life, but it got the best score, followed by Cracker Barrel and Longhorn Steaks. And the lowest score in this went to Denny's. And right behind them, Ruby Tuesdays, Chili's, and Applebee's. So this is funny. Applebee's, Chili's, and Ruby Tuesday all got the same Customer satisfaction score. And my wife says, I can never tell which I'm in if I'm in Ruby Tuesdays, Chili's, or Applebee's. Are they that similar, I guess? They totally, in my I can totally see why she would say that. They seem like the exact same restaurant. So, you know, one thing not rated in this is that often the best experience is eating at family-owned or independent restaurants. And that is so much easier than it used to be when I travel, is I just use uh, TripAdvisor and Yelp, and I'm able to find locally-owned places, family-run places, one-location places that can be just the most wonderful experiences that I'd never know about if it weren't for Yelp and TripAdvisor. Lee is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lee. Hey, Clark. How you doing? It's great to talk to you. Well, great to have you here, Lee. How can I be of service? Well, I have been you know, trying to follow your advice to get long-term health care insurance. I'm a federal employee, and I have quotes from several different companies. But when I look at them, I look at, specifically look at the customer satisfaction rates on Google, all of them have poor results or now poor reviews. Said, and when I when I look at the Better Lee. Business Bureau, it shows them as all being A plus, hundred percent. Right. But all of the reviews that they have listed are negative. Right. All right. So let me let me first explain. Are we talking about you said long term health care or long term disability. disability? Oh, disability. Long term right. disability. All right. So with the Better Business Bureau you can still maintain an A plus even if customers hate you if you respond <laughs> to all those customers. So the Better okay. Business Bureau, in order to get a, a low rating with them, you got to treat people like dirt and not be responsive to the Better Business Bureau. Okay. So when you read what people say, people are only going to comment on a disability insurer if they've had a problem. And the big problem people have with disability insurers is they will deny that you meet the criteria to qualify for long-term disability. And it is... Right, and that's what I've seen. Because people keep... 
They provide notes from doctors saying, you know, this person is clearly disabled or can't work, and the companies still fight with them. Right. And this is something that, that especially if you are truly long-term disabled, you may not be strong enough or well enough to advocate for yourself. And it is, it is a problem because you pay for something that you should have, disability insurance, because we are three times more likely to become disabled during our working lifetime than we are to die prematurely during our key right. working years. And so you're a smart person to think about buying long-term disability. So uh, you have to go in with your eyes open that one of the most important parts about it is how they determine own profession. You may have seen that in some of the complaints people had, that you want the definition of what would be acceptable employment for you. Like if you're uh, the most common example given is that if you are uh, a professional, you're a lawyer, doctor, something like that, it's pretty easy to define what would be own profession. But if you are in a job that is not a specific profession, you got to pay really close attention to how they decline occupation. Okay. And that's where a lot of the problems happen is that up front, you're getting in a policy that is too broad in how it defines what would be an acceptable replacement job. Okay. Yeah, because I saw that one company in particular whose name I forgot said that, you know, at the end of two years, if you can work at McDonald's, that's good enough for us. Exactly. That is the issue that has come up again and again is how they define job occupation. And so it's not enough to know what the premiums are and when coverage begins, usually half a year is when long-term starts you got to look closely at how they define that and what definition of disability. If they use the standard where they say that you qualify for disability from them, if you qualify for Social Security long-term disability, that policy is nearly worthless to you. Because the Social Security means test is much more difficult than it normally would be with an insurance carrier. And I'm still a ways out from security, so oh, how do it, I find that a social security dis- to... social security disability is not related to age. Okay. So you could qualify if you had a catastrophic uh, circumstance in your life that you were left totally disabled, even way before eligibility for the social security old age program, you're eligible for social security disability, in theory. Okay. So I've I've got enough money saved that I can cover the sixty or ninety days exclusion period, but I don't want to be in a, a knockdown drag out court battle with these people if I have to file a long term disability beyond that. All right. So that brings me full circle back to what I said. The companies that are the most forthcoming and the most reasonable in how they define occupation are generally the ones that you're going to have the least amount of trouble with at a time that you would become disabled. Okay. 
So that's the key. Look for how they classify my work. And how they define disability. Okay. You look at those two things, and I believe in addition that the health of the insurer is an important thing as well, is that the insurance rating, you want them to be rated at least A-plus by AM Best. Okay. I'm sorry, by whom? AM Best, B-E-S-T. AM Best, okay. Dot com? Uh, I I assume you can, as a consumer, go to ambest.com, but usually okay. an insurer will tell you their AM Best rating. Okay. It's not hard to Perfect. find. Okay. And, and you are right, by the way, ambest.com is okay. where you can see. Great. I will certainly look into that. All right. Well, long life to you and good health. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Best to you. And Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Chris, you have a question I've been waiting for for weeks for somebody to ask me. Well, that's great. I've been researching for weeks. (laughs) What do you want to talk about with Amazon? Well, they just started that uh, program for the DSP where you're basically your own company. And through them, you can lease their vehicles. Uh, They give you... Uh, better rates on insurance, on fuel, um, your uh, your outfits for ten thousand dollars, and it says you can make a profit from seventy five thousand to three hundred thousand. Well, they say you can make a profit of seventy five right. to th- three hundred thousand. So what we're talking about is Amazon is with the Amazon Prime program is having a lot of trouble with shipping costs with FedEx and UPS. They, right. And so they are trying to set up people that would be uh, captive agents. You cannot, if you set up a delivery service that would be local or a small region, they allow you to have so many trucks, they help get you set up in business, but you are their captive. And they pay you what they choose to pay you for the deliveries. The the concern that I have is that you have the responsibilities to Amazon, but you don't necessarily have any control over what you can get on the revenue side. They control that. And so it's not clear yet if this is going to work out for people who take Amazon up on the offer. So if you did it now... You're like a guinea pig. You're right. a, you're a pioneer. Right. Yeah, I know they did some, I guess, trials of it, and they have people who have done it, but, you know, it's, it's such a limited amount of people, and there's not a whole lot of information yet. And, you know, I was thinking, like you said, that you're kind of captive. They, they'll allow you to deliver for other people because you are your own company, but just not in their vehicles that you've leased with the Amazon name on the side of it. So that's well, kind of a downfall. <laughs> it's more than just a little downfall because the whole yeah. infrastructure, everything you were there with is all about working for Amazon. And so I would say somebody's going to have to be the one who gets out there and tries it. And if you feel like you would look at this as an early mover opportunity, just know that, 
you could get burned by it. It could be a way to make good income, but there's also a good shot that you could get burned as well. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com. And producer Joel asks it for you. Yeah, Clark. Dan wrote in and said, there's a commercial running on my local radio station for a service claiming that the average person saves $830 a year on their bills for internet, phone, and cable. Is this a legit business worth signing up? They charge 13 bucks a month. It is 100% true that what people pay for technology bills ongoing, that just by having somebody get you to make a change, you will save a substantial amount of money. I talked to people who could save a fortune on various bills like cell phones, pay TV, internet service, and they just don't ever seem to get around to it. So that's the idea of paying a subscription. But there is a company that does this stuff for free, and it's called Ask Trim, A-S-K-T-R-I-M.com, and it's really easy to sign up for. It's free, and they will help you figure out which of these things you can end up saving money on, and they automate it pretty much to get it done for you. All right, Leslie wrote in. She says, is there a benefit to start Social Security at full retirement age if you're still working full-time and can just bank that money? I don't believe there is. And good for you that you're talking about full retirement age, which right now I think is 66 years, two months, I think. And it goes up a little bit over time. Waiting, if you're still working, waiting till you stop working ends up getting you a heftier Social Security check every month going forward from the point you stop working. So if it were me, and and this is something on which I am really an exception, because almost nobody does what I'm encouraging you to do, I believe it's very much to your benefit to waiting. But if you want to make sure, there's a website you can pay for very low-cost to run an analysis, 40 bucks to run an analysis on your personal situation, maximize mysocialsecurity.com. It'll go through your individual situation and tell you the best moment to take it. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. 
It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 